Welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you And I was breathing but not Alive, no, my failures are tried to hide. It was my team. Come on, till I met you. You've called my name, and I'll bring out of that grave. Impossible for the human mind to comprehend certain things going on in our nation right now, but we know you, the author, the finisher, the mighty savior, the one whose love cannot be broken, the one who we cannot be separated from, according to your scripture in Romans 8. There's nothing in this world that can separate us from your love. No human, no angel, no demon, nothing in the past or future. And Lord, we pray that very same strength over our nation right now, the kind of unity and love that cannot be separated, that cannot be broken. Lord, your word says that true love is proven, and 
not in words, but actions. Actions toward one another, Lord, and that's our prayer right now. Over this team, over this church, over this nation, that we would learn to love again. That we would learn to love one another in the same way you've loved us and continue to do so, despite our failures. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive our nation. Forgive nations around the world. And Lord, we declare your love, your peace, your comfort. We pray your comfort, Lord. We pray your love and clarity and wisdom during this time. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Jesus, we sing your name right now. We even dedicate this song. This next song, Lord, as we sing it, we declare it over our nation. We declare it over our families. We declare it over all that we are, Lord.
so powerful about being planted in an atmosphere of faith where it just shifts something in our world and those around us in Psalm 92 here's what it says those planted in the house of the Lord they will flourish in the courts of our God growing in grace they will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age they will flourish and be vital and fresh rich in trust and love and contentment they are living memorials that declare that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. 
The past few weeks I've been planting in my backyard and there's this one area in particular that it literally looks like a meteor just came down and struck. There's just a large space of dirt with nothing growing in that area. So I was researching online, what's the best way to plant grass? And one thing a lot of these sites had in common was they mentioned that you should plant it in healthy soil near healthy grass. For when you do this, wherever it's planted, it will flourish. Where we choose to plant ourselves will determine what is produced in our lives. And this is what God promises us in his word. He says that when we choose to be planted in his house, we will flourish, be vital and fresh, rich in trust and love and contentment. In Ephesians 2.10, it tells us that Jesus looks at us like a work of art. In other versions, it says that we are his masterpiece. And it made me think that when we are planted in the house, how we are basically a blank canvas where God is the artist and he's able to transform us into his masterpiece through his signature. His signature is his blessing in my life. And masterpieces in themselves, they're beautiful, but it's the signature of the artist that adds value. And it's the same with God. The more that he uses us, the more that he works through us, the more value that he adds to us. So I wanna encourage you guys today to choose to be planted in the house if you truly wanna flourish in every area of your life. What does that look like? What does it look like to be planted in church alive? If you consider church alive, your church home, but you've never taken advantage of the opportunity to tithe, start today by taking the 90-day tithe challenge. What does that mean? It basically means that for the next 90 days, you're choosing to take the first 10% of your income to honor God with your giving. But pray, trust, believe that He is going to show up in your life in a fresh, real, powerful way. If you're already planted in the house and you tithe, continue putting God first by automating your giving or by partnering up with us in the Believe and Build Foundation. Church Alive this year, our vision for the church is that we are continuing to break through in every area of our life. We believe that God calls us to be champions in our world, to help impact people's lives for the better, personally, locally, and globally. And we do this through our yearly initiative through the Believe and Build Foundation. Whether it's the first time that you're giving today or you're already planted in the house, I wanna encourage you to put your trust in your faith that God will remain faithful when we put our trust in Him. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we thank you right now. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness, not only for what you've done, but for who you are, that your love continues to overflow in our lives. So I pray, Lord, that as we step out, put our trust in you through the simple step of obedience, that you will put your supernatural touch on our finances, that you will show up in ways that exceed our expectations. We thank you for all the blessings that we get to be a blessing in others in our communities and for what's to come in the life of your people. In your mighty and powerful name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Come on, a faith-filled group of people said, Amen! 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 High five your neighbor, tell them, you made it. You made it, you're here. High five them. I haven't been telling anyone to high five anyone in like years. <laughs> Take a seat, people. <laughs> All right, so welcome everyone. We've got a bunch of people in the crowd. Welcome to our Church Alive uh, online family and friends. So glad you're watching. Wherever it is that you're watching from, I was talking to someone today and they've been sharing it down in South Carolina and Florida. So wherever you are watching this in your homes and your TVs, man, God bless you. We're praying for you. And we have been, um, well, really, we're only in week two of a collection of talk called Essential. The President of the United States deemed churches essential and he was simply agreeing with Jesus and I want to talk about being an agent of reconciliation. Someone say help me. Help me. Come on in the chat today, say help me. help me. 
You're not in the chat, but all right, let's keep going. It's good, it's good. Again, I'm not used to preaching to people. I'm used to preaching to screens, and, and, and <laughs> that's it. I tell you what, it's been depressing without you here. I just want to let you know right now, I'd preach to a camera, and then I'd go walk to my desk and go, what do I do right now? I don't know. I'm so used to being able to pray for someone, talk to someone, laugh with someone. So it's amazing, and we know that good things are happening and things are opening, and may they open quickly. Otherwise, we're going to be baptizing people in sanitizer. <laughs> That's next. Um, so my wife and I, about a year ago, we bought a dishwasher. How many of you ever bought a dishwasher before in your life? Okay, your wife wins. If you have a wife, she wins. We went to some, I don't know, Best Buy. We're checking out the dishwashers. And I'm like, this is the cheapest one. This is the one we're getting. Why? Because I'm a man. I don't care about the dishwasher. And I don't need it to do tricks for me. I don't need it to dance. I don't need it to spin around. I need it to wash the dishes. You know what I'm saying? And she's like, babe, that's not quality. We need quality. I said, I know about quality. It's called having more money in the bank. And anyway, we went surprisingly with my decision. To be honest, I am surprised as a husband that I won that battle. She normally does not let me win that battle. Unfortunately, I've been paying ever since. Here's why. Our dishwasher is terrible. Our dishwasher is from Satan. Satan made our dishwasher. Three months in, we had to get some guy to come in and fix it. Another three months in, we had to get some guy to fix it. She was like, babe, if we'd spent $200 more, we would still have a working dishwasher. We would pay $300. And so I've been reminded on a fairly regular basis that my dishwasher selection is not up to par. So recently, we've discovered a new dishwasher. It's called me. And it's called the kids, right? It's called your arms, it's called sponge, it's called old school. That's what it's called. But anyway, I don't know if you know a lot about dishwashers. I've become a master in dishwashers. You put dishes in that are dirty, you press a button, and then you clean them. But you've got to have a magic little ingredient. This is, is this called a Tide Pod? What's this called? It's called a dishwasher pod. Okay, I'm not, I don't have a master's degree in this, but this is the cleansing agent. This is the thing that actually, if you and I don't actually have that ingredient, all we're gonna do is, is basically move dirt from one place to the other place. It won't clean. You'll put in dirty dishes and they'll come out and the dirt might have moved from one spot to another, but they're not clean. And I began to think about that. We are to be agents of reconciliation. We are to be agents of the, the life and grace of God. We are to be agents, but we must have the right ingredients to be an agent. Otherwise, we're just gonna move around one bit of dirt to another bit of dirt and we're not actually gonna get clean. Can I get a good amen? amen? See, I believe at this stage of our life, I've been praying more than anything else. I've been praying for my life. I've been praying for our church that God would give me wisdom and God would give me love. And you say, what do you mean God to give you love? How many know your love runs dry sometimes? Your love runs out sometimes. If I would summarise for you, the prayer of the Old Testament that sticks out to me the most, it would be this, I pray for wisdom. But if I were to summarise the prayers of the New Testament, I would say this, I would pray for love. And I think that's a great thing for you and me to do. I think in every single person that is watching today, I think one of the greatest things you and I can do to be an agent of reconciliation is to pray for love and to pray for wisdom. We jump into a passage of Scripture today that is a famous passage of Scripture, but let me just give you a tiny bit of background on this woman. Some of this I'm kind of elaborating. I'm giving it the Anthony version, not the theological version of the Bible. There's a woman in the text that she has married a guy. He 
divorces her, and then all of a sudden later, she gets married again. That guy maybe beats her, and later, she marries again. That guy dies, she gets an inheritance check, he's like, I'm good. But anyway, finds another man, that man passes away. This happens over and over again. Five times this woman has been married, and finally, Number six and number seven and number eight, we don't know what stage of the game it is, but we know this, that when Jesus has met this woman, she's been married five times and the guy and all of them have failed and the guy she's now living with is not her husband. She is at a place in that kind of culture of absolute brokenness, of absolute pain and she is literally kind of rejected by her culture at that time because she's going to a well at the midpoint of the day when all of the ladies would go at the morning and at the night. Why? Because there's, there's gossip, there's slander, there's reputation. She's got a reputation. She ruins marriages. She moves from one husband to the next husband and Jesus shows up to her. And the Bible says this in John chapter 4, verse 4. It says this, he needed to go through Samaria. Now, if you're a Jewish person, you don't ever need to go through Samaria. If you, uh, it would be like saying to someone, you're a Jew, but you need to go through Palestine of today. Or if or if Croatia and Serbia, different countries would war against each other. You don't walk through those countries. But the Bible is very intent on this, that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go. And what's interesting about the text is this, is that He is stepping into a place where Jewish people don't go. Then He meets a woman who's had a dysfunctional life and He is the one engaging in the conversation. Someone say engage. engage. Come on, say engage. engage. He engages because she is not going to engage. He engages because this woman will not talk to him. And here's what the text says. The text says, John chapter four, verse nine, he's like, hey, can I have some water? Nice requests, not a bad request. Can I have a little water? He didn't ask for a beer. He didn't ask for wine. Hey, I just want some water. And she gives him attitude. Why does she give him attitude? She gives him attitude because she's broken. She gives him attitude because she's in pain. She gives him attitude because she's done with men, to be really, really honest. And the Bible says this in John chapter four, verse nine. A woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And now all of a sudden you get attitude. She starts snapping her fingers. Here's what she said. She says, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink? And if there is an attitude in that, I don't know where there's attitude in the Bible. She literally says to him, you're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? Leave me alone. She's done with being polite. She's done with being nice. I ain't here to help you. Before we get self-righteous though on the Jewish people, understand that the Jewish people were commanded to separate from other people. It is what the Bible calls or theologians call a dispensation where God commands them certain things during a certain season that is not an eternal command, it is a command for a season. Let me, let me give you an example. There was a dispensation where God was a fire by night uh, sorry, a fire by night, and he was a cloud by day, and he would rain down manna from heaven. How many of you in the chat today, or how many of you in our service today, have ever had God rain down manna from heaven in your life? No? <laughs> okay, I'm talking real manna. I'm not talking spiritual manna. I'm not talking like, yes, the Lord bless me. Wait a second, I'm talking real wafery crackers that you're kind of like, what is this? That's what the Jewish people had. There was a dispensation, a period of time where God did and acted a certain way. And there was a dispensation where God was actually saying to the Jewish people, I need you separate. But what I love about God, 
He needed his people to actually be quite distinct, to be separate. But here's what we love about Jesus. Jesus goes in and he breaks that dispensation. He breaks that seclusion. He breaks that separation between male and female and one race and another. And he comes in and in one moment of talking to a woman, he literally crosses the male and female boundary, and he crosses a race boundary, and he crosses even a moral boundary. Because he is a moral teacher. He is a teacher. And he didn't dumb down the Ten Commandments. Actually, if you read Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, he actually caused the Ten Commandments to get harder. I don't know if you've read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's, it's sometimes people are like, oh, Jesus, so sweet, so easy. Are you sure? Have you read about Jesus? He's like, I, you've heard us said those of all, you shall not murder. He's like, I say to you, if you hate someone in your heart, what was he actually saying? He's dealing with the condition of the heart. He says, you've heard it said of those of all, do not have adultery. But he says, but I say unto you, if you're looking, if it's in your heart, he actually made the standard of God higher. But the reason that he made the standard of God higher is that all of us actually look at the standard of God and say it's impossible. And he's like, that's the point. It's impossible, but I make it possible. How many thank God that, that you actually don't work your way to heaven? How many thank God that it actually it was Jesus that made the impossible possible? And Jesus is reaching to a broken woman, a hurt woman, a a bitter woman, a disappointed woman, and he's crossing boundaries as he goes. He's literally crossing this male and female kind of divide at that time. He's crossing a a moral barrier where he is a righteous teacher and she is an immoral woman. And then he is crossing a racial divide where he is a, a, a pure Jew of the lineage of David. And now he's hanging out and he's talking and he's giving honour and he's giving weight to a woman that is literally a half, a half Jew. And at that time, they were literally considered, some, some of the language would be they were considered dogs. Jesus comes and he honours her and he values her and he gives grace to her and, he, and I want you and me to put ourselves at that well for a second. Can we make sure that we don't see ourselves differently? Can we make sure that we jump into the the tent of this woman's body and understand that Jesus has actually crossed the moral divide for us, that Jesus has crossed the, the, the separation between God and man and Jesus was the one who came looking for you? Here's the truth. I often say, man, that person might be seeking God. They might be checking out God, but I've actually found out God is actually seeking them. God is looking for them. God sometimes looks for people in the club. God sometimes looks for people in the wrong place. God looks for people because God loves people. Can I get a good amen? He had to go to Samaria. But he had to bypass her hurts. He had to bypass her disappointments. He had to bypass her, her dysfunction. He had to bypass her attitudes. You ever met some people and they're mad at God, they got attitudes and life has hurt them? And what's amazing about God is God doesn't just beat this woman. He actually bypasses this attitude and he even bypasses her theological questions because God is bigger than your doubts. God is bigger than your questions. God is bigger than your concerns. She's like, well, you guys worship here, but we say you're gonna worship here. And it's kind of like he just bypasses her theological questions. I believe if we're gonna be agents of reconciliation at this time, we need to be good at receiving the love of God because you cannot give love if you don't have love. You can't give what you don't have. If someone says, listen, I need a million dollars, you better make sure the one you're asking has a million dollars. We have to be receiving the love of God. John 4, 13, Jesus said, but whoever drinks the water, He says, I give them, 
will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again, sometimes we try to clean ourselves up before God, but I just wanna tell you, you need to come to God humbly. You need to come to God and say, God, I need you. If you come to God and try to clean yourself up, you won't have the right cleaning agent, but the blood of Jesus Christ is the cleaning agent that washes away your mistakes, your faults, your failures, everything you and I have ever done wrong. The Bible goes on to say in Isaiah 43 verse 25, it says, I, even I, it says, and He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. I love what David said in Psalm 51 verse 10. He says, create within me a clean heart, O God. He knew he couldn't do it himself. He had to look up. And I believe that you and I need to look up and we say, God, help us receive the love of God, not just in a moment of salvation, but on a continual, continual basis. This woman moves from rejection to royalty. Hear me again. She moves from rejection She is rejected by men, rejected by women, rejected seemingly by God, rejected by the Jewish people. And Jesus steps into her life and takes a rejected woman and says, you are now royalty. I believe the greatest thing that God can do for any one person isn't to bless them tangibly. It is to give them the new identity called a son of the most high God. Can I get a good amen? The greatest title you and I can ever receive, it is received by faith. It is received through the person of Jesus Christ. It is the title of the Son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that is actually free. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Let it receive the love of God continually. I believe the love of God heals us. I believe it establishes us in our heart, in our spirit. I believe the love of God makes us stable. The love of God makes us stable. It doesn't, it doesn't heal us in a moment. Don't, just because I'm talking about the love of God, sometimes I'm, I'm surprised at my own instability and it makes me go, oh, guess what? I got room to grow. I got things to work on. I got more love to receive. My wife and I might be talking sometime and she's like, do you realise you're being defensive right now? And I'm like, I'm not being defensive. (laughs) But if someone thinks you're being defensive, there's a good chance you're being defensive. But that says to me sometimes, I'm like, oh, maybe there's more that God needs to do in my life. Maybe there's more love He needs to pour out in my heart, in my spirit. Sometimes I wish He'd hurry up. (laughs) Isn't that true? God's love will make you stable. God's love will establish you. God's love will release you to forgive people that otherwise you could never forgive. God's love will release you to forgive from the heart, not just with mental assent. If we're gonna be God's cleansing agents in this time, we need to receive regularly the love of God. That's why I so believe not just In songs, I believe in praise and worship that enters the very presence in the throne room of God because it's at the throne room that the oil of heaven can pour down on you again. And in a broken world, in a a battered world, in a place that there's so many different things going on, we need the love of God. We need the presence of God to touch our mind and touch our heart and to fill our mind and fill our heart. My second thought to you today, is we have to walk wisely, walk wisely. In John chapter four, verse one, the Bible says that the crowd is looking for Jesus and then He leaves. If you were Jesus' PR agent, public relation person, His marketing specialist, His Instagram kind of guy, you would be very confused by Jesus. Why? Because every time you got a crowd, they're like, Jesus, the crowd's here. He's like, okay, let's leave. He's like, Jesus, there's thousands. And sometimes He'd feed them. They're like, listen, everyone's looking for you. And when everyone was looking for Him, He'd go, okay, I'm leaving. I must go to that city. I must go to that place. And they're wanting His attention. But He wasn't moved by the crowd. He wasn't moved by the murmurs of the crowd. He wasn't moved by just all the opinions of the crowd. He, he, he got still 
And he recognised that God was leading him somewhere else. He walked wisely. He fulfilled his destiny with a wise thing. Just because there's lights and shiny things around it, it doesn't mean that's God's plan. Just because there's a crowd attached to it, just because everyone's doing it, doesn't mean there's a crowd, doesn't mean Jesus is in it. He leaves the crowd's opinion. I found the crowd shouts, but God whispers. And we have to get alone so that we hear the whisper of God. Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. Okay, I'll go somewhere else. Now, I'm not saying be a weirdo. Like you have a party over your house and hey, everyone come over. And as soon as you invite them, you're like, ah, oh, gotta go. <laughs> That's called weirdo. I don't believe Jesus was a weirdo. Jesus went to the wedding. He stayed there, people liked him. And when they ran out of alcohol, he's like, okay, do a little party trick for you. He wasn't saying get drunk, but I guarantee he was nice wine. Kind of complimented the salmon. Do you want the salmon or the steak? Was it red or white? We don't know. I'm a steak guy, I think it was red. Might've been a Merlot, might've been a cab. Something like, okay, I, I think it was white. No, it wasn't. My wife's trying to move me on. That's means it's time to keep on telling jokes. <laughs> Scripture says this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. And I've thought about that recently because I've been praying for more wisdom. I've thought about that recently because sometimes I see in my own world, wisdom in some areas, but a lack of wisdom in some other areas. So, wait, so I'm like, wait, that means I might need to hang out with some people that are wiser than me and I need to walk with them, which is intentional, which is slow, which is conversational. And I, I, am, I am convinced and partly concerned that many times you and I get our wisdom from Instagram or Facebook or a quote but we're not walking with anyone. So we see a quote, we see a quote, and we see a quote, and we see a next inspiration, see a joke, see it. And we see it and see it and see it. But are we walking with the wise so that we can become wise? I believe you get wisdom through osmosis. How many of you remember that scientific term? Osmosis, it'd leak. And you just gotta hang out with someone who's wise and eventually it leaks to you. Haven't you found that? Haven't you also found that stupidity leaks, leaks as well? I need to, and I believe we need to seek education, not just opinion. I need to seek wisdom, not just wit. I need to seek compassion, not criticism or harsh judgment. And if we will seek to hear and not just be heard, eventually we will have something worth saying. But maybe right now, we should quote everyone else because maybe right now we don't have anything worthwhile to say, but we need to sit and we'll hear long enough and learn long enough and eventually we'll have something to say. The third principle, a third key ingredient of my little cleaning agent today is this, love big. Come on, say that with me, love big. Come on, say it one more time, love big. Where were you guys a couple of weeks ago? Huh? <laughs> it's great to have people in the place. Someone's in the chat today. How come? When's the next time we're meeting? They want to be in here. Next time, it's expanding, it's getting bigger. My third thought today is this love big. Philippians chapter 1, one of my favorite prayers in all the Bible, says, I pray that your love would abound more and more, that you might discern the best things of the things of the highest value. Man, what, what do we need in this world? We need love at this time. We need love at this time. And we need not just running out love, we need abounding love. And, and that doesn't just come. Why was the Apostle Paul praying for the Philippian church that their love would abound? Because maybe it lacked. And sometimes I often recognise in my own world, I'm like, sometimes I can get so busy. I'm like, wait, is my love tank empty? Is it, is it half full? Is it quarter full? Is it just... Is it lacking? And Paul is praying for you. And I believe he's praying for me that our love might abound. And I pray for our church. I pray for everyone watching that we would be wise, but we would be loving. Can I get a good amen? amen. One of 
I think my heroes in the faith would be Ravi Zachariah. He passed away in the last couple of weeks and he was continually speaking at places where no one really agreed with him. Have you ever been in a discussion with someone that you don't agree with? Have you noticed that it's pretty easy not to be gracious? Have you noticed that it's pretty easy to just blow up on someone and share your opinion and tell them what you really think? And I would watch Robbie time after time and these arrogant people would just drill him and he would just get up there and graciously and lovingly and, and honouring their opinion, but completely disagreeing with everything they say. And I'm like, this guy is the man. How does he do that? His love abounded his love was full his his love was honoring people because they made in the imago day the image of god even though he may de- disagree with everything in their philosophies led graciously led lovingly he spoke with honor i need to seek places of agreement not disagreement I need to reach across divides that separate like Jesus did. How about you? Maybe the most loving thing you could do right now is just simply listen and talk and hear opinions that are slightly even different than yours or very different than yours. Maybe the most loving thing you could do in this season is just pray for people that you know are hurting during this time. Maybe the most loving thing you could do is hold your tongue. Right, maybe the most loving thing you could do is not send that tweet or not send that quote. Maybe the most loving thing you could do though is not hold your tongue and and sometimes it's talk to someone and speak to someone relationally. Maybe the most loving thing you could do is, is speak up. But I love the fact that Jesus goes where no one else goes. And that challenges me as I read that text. He didn't go to the crowd. He went to the one. But the one actually ended up changing Samaria. If you keep on reading the text, she literally almost brought a city to Jesus and Jesus had to go to Samaria. A woman that was immoral, that was not of her race, that was not of His kind. And He literally shows you and me how to love, reach out, talk, but meet a need. And, meet, and, and allow them to meet Jesus or see something in your life that is the love of God. Can I get a good amen? amen? And Jesus went to the one, but the one changed the many. And I believe many times we underestimate the power of just serving one, praying for one, giving to one, just helping one, because sometimes we wanna make a big difference. But I'm telling you right now, if Jesus left a crowd to go to the one, then somehow that one was the most important thing He could do. And sometimes in our desire and our passion to change the world, you're like, oh, I'm gonna change the world. The world, I'm just gonna change it. Mother Teresa said, if you wanna change the world, go and love your family. Because it, it, it starts at home, because if you can't sustain it at home, it won't be sustained somewhere else anyway. Because if home breaks, eventually your foundation will break and you'll no longer be able to do the things that you actually think you're called to do because you have to focus on what's in front of you. I have to focus on what's in front of me. I believe, I wanna close this service and for those watching, but for so many that are watching online, been praying for our church, been praying for you, been praying for us, that we would grow in wisdom. I've been praying for me that I would grow in wisdom. been praying for me that I'd grow in love. I've been praying for you that you would grow in wisdom. I've been praying for you that you would grow in love and your love might abound. God would give you the ability to discern what are the things in front of you and how important those things are because those things change the world. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes in a moment of prayer and There's some people watching right now. And I just wanna tell you again that Jesus stepped into a broken woman's world. She was not seeking Him, but He was seeking her. She was not good enough to get to Him, but He was good enough to get to her. And He literally came in and gave honour and value to a woman 
that most of the time they would have said, she didn't deserve it. But the truth of the matter is, that's what God did to you and to me. He, he literally stepped into a broken world, reached out to us, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, rose from the dead. He gives His Spirit to every single person that would trust in Him and rely on Him. And maybe you're watching today and you've never said yes to the person of Christ. Maybe there's a theology difference or a question difference, or maybe you feel like you've been too immoral or not moral or not enough, or the greatest danger is you think I'm good enough so I don't need God. I just wanna tell you there is a gap between God and man, but that bridge, His Name is Jesus, and you and I can walk on that bridge to receive the gift, the greatest gift ever available is the gift of everlasting life. The greatest gift ever available is to be called a son and daughter of the Most High God. So I wanna invite you today to do that, to pray with me. So if you haven't already, close your eyes. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer, but that prayer can change you forever, can change your today. Come on, pray with me. Say, Father, thank You for seeking me, for loving me. I ask You, for your living water. Forgive me, cleanse me, change me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Every person praying this prayer too. Father, I pray for wisdom, wisdom beyond my years, wisdom in my family, wisdom in my work, wisdom to fulfill what You have for me. And I pray for love for my family. I pray for our church, for love. May it abound more and more in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, come on, can we give the Lord a hand in the house of God? Church Alive, we love you. We're praying for you. God bless you. Have an amazing, amazing Sunday. See you next time.